Hey everyone, welcome to the latest Rosenfeld Review podcast. I am here with my friend Jim Callback. Hey Jim. Hi Lou, thanks for having me today. Great to have you on the show. Um, you may know Jim, you the listener, uh, because you might have read one of his O'Reilly books, uh, Designing Web Navigation or Mapping Experiences, which came out a couple of years ago. Uh, you um, may also be a user of a product that he um, works on as a uh, as the head of customer success, uh, that's a mural. Uh, it's a great tool. Um, and uh, if you haven't checked it out, you should. But I'm talking to Jim today about something that is, is not really very UX-y. Well, it is and it isn't. So let me explain. Uh, I was talking to Jim a few months ago, and he said that he'd just gotten back from Abu Dhabi, of all places. And he uh, was there to run a two and a half day long workshop it pulled together a bunch of uh, former violent extremists. And the organization that brought him in, that brought Jim in to do that and brought these people together is called Hedaya. And they're a, an NGO that focuses on uh, countering violent extremism. But they brought in a UX guy to run the workshop with the formers. And uh, I was fascinated by this. and. Um, asked Jim to, to tell me his story as to how he got there and why and what he was doing and, and what happened. And that's what we're going to talk about here. So Jim, how did this happen? What, how did you find yourself in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I, I asked myself pretty much throughout my whole journey there to Abu Dhabi. Um, it all began when uh, my stakeholder, my sponsor at Hedaya, um, picked up on, on the keyword mapping experiences. Someone had told him that if he wanted to understand um, formers, as they're called a little bit better, that uh, he should map their experience or part of their experience. So with that keyword in hand, he, he went to Google and you know my book and my name popped up and he reached out and contacted me and asked if I would be willing to work with his organization to map the experience of formers or part of the experience to be a little more exact. Um, and, uh, you know, reflecting on it, I think like you just mentioned in your intro, I, I kind of wanted to prove to myself, first of all, that um, the skills and the, and the ideas and the concepts that we have in design and UX aren't just limited to creating software or, or optimizing conversion or help, you know, businesses make more money, that the, these are things that can be implied in, in other respects as well too. So, so here's this non-governmental organization working with you know, former members of hate groups, um, looking, looking to me, looking to us, I'll, I'll say, you know, me kind of representing our field, mm -hmm. looking, looking to us for, for skills that we have to help them understand um, you know, their, their problems and their challenges as well too. Did you, when they first contacted you, did you ever feel any sense of no way. I don't know what they want me to do and I don't know how to do it. Or were you immediately able to connect their challenge to your skills? Uh, yeah, no, really good question. My, my, initial, my initial thought was this isn't real. This is like just a phishing email or, you know, like mm -hmm. some guy from some prince from Africa asking you for a hundred dollars or something like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it was, was, was real at first. But then I looked up the organization and I had a, a, a few email exchanges that quickly proved that, yeah, th this is, this is a real thing. Um, but, but I think, I think I kind of went into it um, 
kind of just head first, just kind of kamikaze. And I said, you know what, I have, I don't know what's going to happen, but I had enough confidence in myself and, and the, the material that I had in my book, the approaches that I had in my book that I said, yes, this will work. Um, and then I just kind of put that aside and dealt with my own um, uncertainty through the rest of the journey. But once I made that decision, it was kind of, you know, jumping into the deep end kind of thing. And, I, and then I had to to swim, uh, just uh, kind of find my way and improvise my way through it. Um, but, er you know, everything worked out in, in the end as well, too. So I, I, I saw it as a personal challenge. I saw it as a once in a lifetime um, uh, op opportunity that mm -hmm. I felt if I passed on it, I would regret have pa having passed on. All right. So you're, you, uh, I'm picturing you on a really long flight to Abu Dhabi, <laughs> hopefully business class. And you're looking through some dossier of formers and yeah. trying to understand these people that you're about to spend two and a half very intimate days with. Who are these people and what was your action? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, interesting uh, constellation of people. Um, first of all, I actually, uh, you know, I was contacted three, four months in advance. It takes them a long time to bring uh, all of these people together. There were seven formers in the room and then nine other uh, people representing NGOs and even you know governments from the from the UK or two guys from the State Department uh, in the US and it takes a long time to organize such a workshop so I had been in contact with my stakeholder for months in advance and I started to do some preliminary I wouldn't say research just investigation because I kn I knew I was in an industry or field that I didn't know anything about and I wanted to be able to um, you know use the terms and abbreviations and just have a le a little bit of a baseline. For myself, so I started. Um, I started looking at the space, but in particular at the the formers who were going to be there. And I even had the chance to speak with some of them in advance as well, too. Um, and in in my first interview with with an ex neo-Nazi here in the U.S., um, you know, I kind of into it with uh, you know UX research kind of mindset of you know ask the person about themselves and build a rapport and get them comfortable. But then when he came back with his past which was, you know, he sang lead singer in a hate metal band and formed what's now the largest neo-Nazi group in North America. I was actually stunned. I was like a deer in headlights. Uh, that moment, I, you know, I realized uh, just how, how out of my element I was. Um, but then I plowed through and, it, it, you know, it all worked out well as well, too. But I had, I had a series of experiences like that where I, you know, I wasn't in Kansas anymore. Well, but, but, but you're plowing through, is it just basically putting your head down and, and staying on script? Or did you find that, you know, the, the sort of, you know, standard approach that uh, a researcher with our background might take didn't fly? And, and I, I can almost imagine appealing to your, your research subject to, to, for, you know, a, a kind of personal understanding that would help you move beyond that initial shock between you yeah it, it was actually a combination of both actually um that i did i did have some very specific um uh, points that i needed to discuss 
Um, um, and, and his personality in, in particular, this first phone call, but his personality and then what he said after that, you know, kind of put me at ease and we were able to have uh, a normal conversation that I was able to then steer, um, to get the information that I needed, like, you know, uh, a good UX researcher is able to do in an open interviewing, uh, type of situation. So it was actually a little bit of both, but in that moment, I, I, I just drew a blank. Like, what's my next question after having heard, you know, his background, um, so, so that, so that was interesting. And, you know, I took on the challenge because I wanted to have those experiences. I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, confront that uncertainty mm -hmm. to prove a point to myself and to prove a point, um, you know, that you outlined in your intro about what we do as a field. And, you know, my book is an O'Reilly book and it has an animal on it and people think it's about software design. Um, I don't think my book is about software design. Uh, it's not. It's about human experiences. And I kind of wanted to say, look, we, we, can, we can apply our skills, uh, whether it's mapping experiences or human-centered design or design thinking, we can apply that to just about any other situation. Um, so that was kind of the my, my personal mission of, of doing that was to prove that to myself, that my book isn't about software design, and what we do is much broader than software design. So... Once you were actually working with the formers, yeah. uh, did you find that, you know, once you got over that initial shock of just who they were and what they may have done yeah. uh, in their past, did, did you feel like they were pretty much like talking to any other subject or did, yeah. were they sort of rarefied in some way? No, no it, 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 I mean, it, it, it was amazing. First of all, it's amazing how, how open they are ab about their past. And that, that's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because the seven formers that we had collected or, or the organization collected gathered together for this um, workshop had all decided to speak out against violent extremism. And that's actually the experience we were looking at. We weren't looking at radicalization. Why do people get into an organization? There's a ton of information on that. They don't need me to tell them anything about that. There's disengagement or de-radicalization. Again, ton of information on that. But the, the part of the, of the experience, a former's experience that they wanted to understand deeper was why do some formers, when they, after they get out, and by having the label former by, by definition means they got out, alive. Um, but why do some then speak out and actually get involved in countering violent, violent extremism? So we wanted to look at that decision process. But because all of them had chosen to do that, they had, they had all confronted their past in a very explicit and public way, because many of them get up on stage and talk about it. So they're very, very articulate and very clear about uh, what their experience and how they call themselves and their story as well too. So that so that was very comforting to me that they that they were comfortable talking about their pasts pasts. And mm -hmm. I I kind I kind of learned this before I went into the workshop through talking you know uh, the interviews that I had and just listening to their interviews on YouTube's and, and YouTube videos and things like that. But uh, actually I think some of the others in the room, some of the other people from NGOs and and from the government, they didn't expect that level of conversation. It gets very deep, it gets emotional. Um, you're talking about, you know, humanity and just, you know, huge, huge topics, hate and hate groups. Why do people join hate groups and things like that? Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think some of the others that, that were even in this field weren't ready for some of those conversations, but I had prepared myself quite a bit. I, I felt, um, and I, but I think once, once they started talking and talking with each other, it, it was, it was amazing at, at the level of con 
just connection that they had with each other. So it was a group of seven um, formers from different backgrounds. And this was part of my challenge was, can I find patterns of human experience across uh, formers with different backgrounds? There were two uh, ex-neo-Nazis, one woman who was in a gang in Chicago. Um, There was a guy, ex-Al-Qaeda guy, an ex-ISIS guy, um, and then uh, some radical Islam. I'm not exactly sure which group they were in, but radical Islam, and then, um, you know, violent rights group as well, too. So they all had different backgrounds from different parts of the world um, as well, and we were trying to facilitate a conversation to find the commonalities um, between these these different um, experiences, and that's really what Hadaya, my sponsor, wanted to know. They were looking for points of intervention for their strategic counter narratives that they put out into the world. So, countering violent extremism is all about narratives, and it's kind of the soft side of fighting terrorism and hate groups. And they wanted to um, they wanted to understand how they can attract more formers to come out and sp- to speak out against uh, violent extremism. So what was the, 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 was there a common path that you were able to map? Yeah, I, I, I definitely think there was. Um, and, and there almost always is. The question is, at what level of abstraction do you have to go? What level of granularity? Because you can always just kind of move up and become more general and more general and more general and find a pattern across, you know, a group of people. Um, mm-hmm. But at some point in time, then that becomes meaningless, you know. Um, um, like, you, you know, you've kind of heard, you know, it's a joke, you know, you, you're born, you pay taxes, you die, right? Um, that, that, that's a level of abstraction that is, 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 you can't do anything with that info or you can't do much it's with accurate, that information. It's, it's, not it's, very right, it, it's right. It's not very helpful. So what I was trying to do was find ha- at ha- what level of granularity can I find common patterns? Uh, and I think we did, you know, I think from my sponsor's, uh, point of view, we did find some patterns that, um, were previously uncovered. And the interesting thing about this topic was that no, nobody's really ever um, um, investigated this particular su- question of why do some formers get involved in countering violent extremism and others don't? And how can we attract more formers? The, the motivation, by the way, to attract more formers is because formers are a magnet for people in hate groups to get them out. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're able to relate to them. They're able to talk to them and, and things like that. So they want the message coming from the formers. It's a great way to attract people out. And they wanted to get more formers. How do we get more formers? Um, but when, you know, there were some, I'll just, I'll just give a quick example. Um, it, it, if you're lucky enough to get out of a hate group alive, um, you're, you're in a, a deep uh, state of depression, uh, dysfunction. Your world is 180 degrees. Everything that you believed in is now opposite. You're like in an alternative, you know, world there. And you, you've you, kind of lost your family too. You, you lost, you, well, you lose, very often you lose your friends, your family, you lose the, the people that you had contact with in the hate groups, right. but then you come out and your friends and family hate you as well too. Uh-huh. Um, and then, um, and then, you know, neighbors and media and things like that are pointing your fingers at you. So you feel terrible and people are rubbing salt in your wounds. So it's a real low point and there's alcoholism, thoughts of suicide, things like that. But, you know, at what the, the thing, there were a couple of things that everybody agreed on, but the thing we, we kind of zoomed in at, at that phase, like you just get out, you, you feel guilty. You feel you've done the worst thing that you, not only that you did in your life, but that you can imagine any human being doing. And that is, you know, joining a hate group and acting out on, on, on the ideology of that hate group as well, too. You just feel totally, you just feel guilty. Um, and then, um, you know, an- another example is that n- none of them, at least the seven that I had, came 
to the idea of speaking out or acting against violent extremism on their own. It was always somebody else that said, hey, that's a really interesting story. You should tell that story. Really? Um, yeah, well, if you're in this, you know, if you're, uh, you know, in a state of alcoholism or depression or, you know, thinking about suicide, you're not thinking about helping other people at that point in time, but it's actually helping yeah. other people that got it them out of you. that. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, so it's, you know, understanding patterns like that was what we basically talked about for two and a half days, not just that point, but then we kind of went through the journey and talked about all of those kinds of points. And I was able to create a physical, you know, a diagram, a map of that so that we can now retell that story. And to some degree, it was foundational because we were just kind of opening up a field of, of inquiry in, in, in general. And, you know, my, 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 my stakeholder, my sponsor, hopefully they're using that to then have more lines of inquiry around each one of those points. Is that map that you developed something that we can see or is it still uh, uh, under wraps? It, it is. No, we, we published a report summarizing um, the outcomes of the workshop. It's fairly anonymous and fairly dry for my taste, but that's the, you know, it's this kind of UN official mm -hmm. kind of reporting. Uh, but the diagram is in there. Um, it, uh, I'm not happy with the resolution of the diagram. So I have a PDF and you know what I'll do, Lou, is I'll, I'll send that around if you want to uh, pass that on to your, to your listeners. Absolutely. I, may, I may even publish that then on my blog. Um, but yes, uh, it's out there. So I'm able to talk about that and show you the outcome of the, my, my deliverable, I should say. I'm able to show you, show you that and talk about well, it. Well, I should at least mention that um, uh, if you're interested in tracking what Jim is up to, uh, he tweets from Jim Callback, J-I-M-K-A-L-B-A-C-H, and his website is experiencinginformation.com. Uh, but we'll certainly try to get the word out from uh, our various Rosenfeld media channels. Um, I want to ask one more question. Sure. Um, you obviously, uh, and Hedaya, um, obviously uh, uh, learned a lot of what you wanted to learn and needed to learn. Sounds like some of the, the important goals were met. But my last question is really about what it was like for those formers to meet each other. Because yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that's not the sort of thing there's an annual convention for. And if it was, it would be a, a target for all kinds of uh, <laughs> the people they left behind to come after them. Yeah, that a uh, great question. Um, but actually, there was a convention about three or four years ago. Called really? S yes. Oh yes. My gosh. Uh, the abbreviation was SAVE, and I can't remember what S A V and E stand for. The violent extremism would have been um, uh, uh, the V and the E. But they actually came together. I believe it was in London. <clears throat> so a lot of them had known. About half of them knew each other. Um, well, they, and they all knew each other. Right? Uh, some of them did know each other, uh, and some of them had worked together as well too. Um, so uh, Mubin, for instance, uh, ex-Al-Qaeda guy, and Arno, the ex-white um, uh, supremacist here in the U.S. that I had my first conversation with, they go up on stage together and, and talk about, you know, Islam versus uh, neo-Nazi and, and, you know, how, the, how that actually plays off each other and all kinds of things like that. Um, again, very, very, very articulate people. Um, but they know each other and to some degree work with each other as well too. Not all of them, but some of them. Uh, and that was interesting because one of the conversations we had was, well, why don't, why don't we have another meetup or, or convention so that you can get more energy around being a former to attract more formers and things like that um, as well. So they, so they um, some, some degree they knew each other, some degree they didn't, but it was really fascinating 
you know, moving through my, my process, which was essentially moving through their experience, uh, you know, in, in a journey map like setting. And we use the framework of my journey mapping essentially as a, as a means of inquiry. Okay. How did you feel act you know, what, what, what were you doing thinking, feeling at this stage? Okay, let's discuss. What were you doing thinking, feeling at this stage? So we kind of moved through that really, really slowly. And it was, it was interesting at how much agreement there was at certain points um, of the conversation that, again, nobody had ever asked them this question before, which, which, was in, which was fascinating in and of itself. That when we said, why did you choose to speak out? They said, Nobody asked, nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, but then when they started talking about it, guess what? There were commonalities. And that, that's what I tried to zoom in on, those commonalities that they had. Well, it, it, the, if there was a joke, uh, and it sounds like there almost should be, that goes, uh, uh, an, an ISIS guy, uh, yeah, right. uh, exactly. an Aryan Nations guy, and <laughs> yeah. a, a Red Brigades member walking to a yeah. bar. Yeah. Uh, if there's anyone who knows the punchline, it's Jim Callback. Um, <laughs> you have to work on that, Jim. Uh, and uh, more importantly, thank you both for um, not only showing, uh, uh, really demonstrating uh, in a very concrete way uh, a model of uh, what we UX people can do with our skills to yeah. help make the world a better place and, right. and seriously a better place in ways that we absolutely need. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, thanks for that work itself. Thank you for doing that. And uh, thanks for being on the show today. Jim Callback, uh, again, if you want to keep up with Jim, he tweets from uh, Jim Callback, J-I-M-K-A-L-B-A-C-H, and blogs from experiencinginformation.com. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks again. Always a pleasure, Lou. Thanks for having me. Take care.